Umkit Industries presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater. Stars Renee Christine Jones as Dixie Stenberg. Mark Zaracor as Frank McGuff. Steve Anderson as Reginald Billingsley. Pete Marlin as Freudenberg. Scott Vinicombe as Cornelius Robert Sims Pearson. Anthony Picelli as Joey Scalzetti. Chris Britton as Thomas Scalin. Perry Whittle as Benedict Adachenko. Alicia Lane Matheson as Lily LaRue. Catherine Pride as Vrenny. Andrea Fontano as Francie McGuff. Christian Bays as the Umket Triplets. Bill Young as the Amazing Noel. M. Sierra Garcia as Miss Fortune Divine. Jerry Crawford as the Dean. Ryan Pickens as Robot 153. Sam Young as the Beast. Jeffrey Bridges as the commercial announcer. Tom Stitzer as the composer. Seth Adam Schur as your host. And Natasha Ariel Damroth as young Dixie Stanberg. This episode was written by Jeffrey Bridges and directed by Bill Fisher. Assistant director Bruce Busby. Final music selection by Jeffrey Bridges. Umkit Industries presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, created by Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2010, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Umkit Industries proudly presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, a Pendant Production. In the summer of 1947, a clandestine squadron of P-47 Thunderbolts battled the forces of evil in the skies over America. For the last time. This squadron was known as Brassy Battalion, and this is their story. Tonight's episode, The End of Dixie Stenberg. When we last left our hero, Dixie Stenberg, she and Brassy Battalion had just been witness to one of the most shocking events in recorded human history. The skies over New York were now swarming with feral beasts, grinning menacingly from within their rocket ships of extraterrestrial origin. Great googly moogly! And in all too rapid fashion, they made their intentions known. These situations look good. There must be five of them for every one of us. Ah, Gherkin. Them some steep odds. Then we'll just have to be five times the pilots they are. What are we going to do? Break off and take them out. We'll give them a go-round like they never had. Meanwhile, atop the Empire State Building, things were looking grim for a duo of dastardly villains most foul. Stop that. Never! I will not rest! would seem your unfair advantage has been negated. No! No! A fair fight is totally unfair in every single way! A villain's credo indeed. So let's not pretend to make this fair at all. Billingsley, you don't know what you're doing! I know precisely what I'm doing. Put the gun down! And though the mighty skyscraper is the largest in this great nation, and indeed the world, 
gold, its precious little real estate, when running for your life from a murderously enraged reptilian leviathan. Back in the dogfight with creatures who were no shade of man's best friend, Brassy Battalion found their ferocious foes to be most formidable. Their hull's got the same alloy and plating just like the Amber Avenger. They're bulletproof. What about Rocket? This Mustang I borrowed came fully stocked. Ah, same for me. I'm loaded and ready to go. Same here. I've got a full compliment. Freudenberg restocked me back at AeroQuest. That's ten for each of us. Those aren't great odds. That only really gives us two rockets per beast. Yeah, but what if we miss? We do not miss. Cannot miss. We await your orders, Dixie. Through clenched teeth, Dixie Stenberg, ace pilot and captain of the 1st Brassy Battalion Fighter Squadron, made an oath to the innocent people below. Ugh, no more of this. No more scar, no more beasts, no more blasted evil. We are going to save the people of this city. This ends once and for all, and it ends today. We're with, with you, you Dixie. Dixie. And with that, like a screaming, shimmering, glinting guardian angel of the sky, Dixie led the battalion as they charged headlong into the greatest danger the world had ever known. Soaring, darting, weaving and zooming through the city, the pilots of Brassy Battalion caught the attention of their xenobiological adversaries, picked their targets, and the battle for Earth began. Over the bright lights of Broadway, the delicious Lily LaRue protected her fellow entertainers. People need entertainment to laugh, to rest and recover from the trials of life. I'm not about to let you creatures destroy that. Over the streets of the Bronx, the Honorable Joseph the Skull Scalzetti protected his home and his loved ones. Hey, my ma's down there. Ain't nobody in danger. Joe Scalzetti's ma. Over the mighty rails at Grand Central Terminal, Cornelius Robert Sims Pearson protected this country's history. Without the rails, this country would have never become what it did. And it'll be over my old hide that I let you undermine that heritage. Over the chiseled and elegant columns of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the benevolent Thomas Galen protected the works he so loved. There are centuries worth of creativity, culture and personal expression in that museum, and no one has the right to stifle that. Over the huddled masses on Ellis Island and the sweeping grandeur of Lady Liberty, the compassionate Benedict Adarchenko protected those in search of a new life. Those people come here in search of something better, to live in peace with one another, and they will not have their dreams taken from them. And through the streets of the city, over everyday people just like you and I, the stout-hearted Dixie Stenberg protected those who could not protect themselves. Those people down there ain't never done anything to hurt you ugly mugs, but I sure will. 
You're gonna regret the day you attacked Earth, and I ain't just whistling Dixie. You're not whistling at all, Dixie. Precisely. Word from our sponsor, the champion of industry, Umket Industries. Oh my word, this may be it for us, Chum. That's right, the amazing Noel. No, 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 we're not. Well, it's because of, well, uh, you see. Golly. Yes, with my comely, short-skirted. Why is everyone looking at me like that? Of many a mainstay of higher. What's that? Racket? None of this is in the script. I don't know what's going on! Everyone just calm down. Oh, haven't you heard? Heard what? Outside Umket Studios in downtown New York City, Brassy Battalion waged war against the forces of evil and malice. Listen. My word. That is abominable! What are we going to do? We should run for our lives. Maybe we can help. Whatever could we do? Miss Fortune is right. We have nary an arrowed plane among us. Everyone, move to the other side of the studio. Quickly now, quickly. Make haste. Move, move. Quickly, the unkid crew ran. Uh, I don't think they can hear you. Hand him the microphone. Of course. Here. Thank you. Quickly, the unkid crew ran to the far side of the studio, just as. <laughs> A beastly rocket ship came crashing right into this very studio. You two are not helping. <gasps> Look, it's opening. My word, it is. Shouldn't we be uh, hearing that? Apparently, the rocket ship crushed our Foley department. Don't just stand there, man. Do something. Well, I don't know how to. Niggle the controls. But if don't I don't give up on us. Wait, wait, wait! By Jove, I've got it! I say, what is he doing in there? Looks like he's dialing a rotary phone. But why can't we hear it? Well, the Foley department is paced, remember? It's ringing! Hello, boss's phone. Oh, Mr. Freudenberg, it's you! Yeah, it's me. What can I do for you? Well, I, I remembered we sent you our old robot when it stopped working and you were able to repair it. But of course. Um, well, you see, a, a rocket ship. Well, on a Foley department. And about time, too. Well, and I was wondering if you might... If I might know how to fix it and help you continue on with the show? Well, yes. Yeah, I've been listening. How else should I stay updated on Brassy Battalion's exploits? Indeed. How could I not help? Dixie needs us. She does. Right. So, you are using the Umket Industries Radio Studio Kit 253B, are you not? Um... Let me see. I think that means you have to bypass the secondary auto latch hasp and use the condenser to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. The secondary? Well, if I... Oh. Just press the big red button. And then you can perform all of your folly into the backup studio mic. Oh, of course. Thank you, Mr. Freudenberg. Long live Brassy Battalion. I heard the phone hanging up. Are we back in business? A beastly rocket ship came crashing right into this very studio. My word, it is! And out of the hatch stepped a monstrous, snarling, enraged, towering beast. The beast ran from the studio and out into the streets of New York, hoping to rejoin the fray. We cannot let it escape. 
It may hurt someone. I know! Look, there! Where? Inside the beast's smoldering rocket ship. A compartment damaged in the crash popped open. And out fell a complement of ray guns. Oh, I see. We must arm ourselves. We must aid in the conflict. We must help Brassy Battalion. We have to help! We couldn't! We can! Each member of Team Umkit grasped a ray gun in their hands, unsure of the tasks that lay before them. And then, for a brief moment, the smoke cleared, and they turned their eyes skyward, where Dixie and one of the beasts were locked in deadly combat. Dixie came around and made another pass over the studio, inspecting the building below and hoping the occupants had survived the destruction. Seeing their faces peering up at her, she smiled. And thanks to the magic of radio and the temporary audio engineer... Oh, don't thank me, chum. Just keep on with the story. Dixie's voice filtered over the radio through the Umket Studios. You folks stay safe now, you hear? One by one, Team Umket raised their right arms in salute. We're Dixie returned the salute and flew right back into the thick of things. And it was then, through the gaping hole in the studio, that Team Umkit was roused from their reverie by a terrifying sound. <laughs> Come on, friends. Why, it's the robot! Our Umkit commercial predecessor. In the robotic flesh. Here, have a ray gun. Don't mind if I do. Now, join me on my quest to rid these fine streets of the invaders within. I need you. Your country needs you. Dixie needs you. Umket needs you. Now is the time. Now is the moment. Ready, girls? So ready. Let's do this. Time to kick some beastly keister. And under the leadership of the brave Robot 153, Team Umket took to the streets. And down the streets they chased the beast, ray guns blazing. Now, my compatriots in arms, show them some hot robotic justice! Or hot fleshy justice, as the case may be. And from the ground, they fired at the rocket ships overhead. We'll finish you yet, you miscreant vomits! And they sniped at any other beasts that crashed down. No scaly creeps terrorize people in my country. And they laid down cover fire as they helped lead innocents to safety. Quickly, folks! Follow us this way! If I never see one of your ugly green mugs again, it'll be too soon! And die! Die! I got a lot of pent-up anger. And with Team Umkit's assist, the tide of the battle seemed to turn. Concurrently, atop the Empire State Building, a tide of a different sort was taking a turn of its own. You held me prisoner. You tortured me. You took my scales. You took my technology. You took my freedom! No! No! Volker! It was Volker! He... He acted under your orders! You humans, you're cruel, intolerant, and sadistic. He does have a point. Quiet! <clears throat> Mr. Um, Mr. Beast! Sir, uh, believe me, we never intended Silence! I know exactly what you intended. And now, you can watch as my brethren 
rent the city to rubble. Oh, yes, please do. See if I care. <laughs> so you've proved my point. It's, it's, um, I, I have to stay in character. It's just a figure of speech. I, uh... But you hate those. Uh, no, I... The beast's massive jaws closed around Rennie, engulfing her entirely. And then it began to chew. Um, did you just eat her? I, I held no love for her, you understand, but... Oh, dear. It was at that very moment that the Amber Avenger came into view, as Dixie soared back to check on the origin of the entire mess. There's the beast. I finally got a clear shot. And our Dixie didn't hesitate a moment. Eat this, you muck. The rocket soared through the air right over Billingsley's head and struck home right in the heart of the beast. <laughs> Fiery bits of beast flesh flopped down onto the roof of the mighty skyscraper as the shockwave from the explosion rocked Billingsley ever backward, closer and closer to the edge where the safety fence had been destroyed by the rocket blast. No, 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 no! Dixie's eyes peered down from the sky not believing what she was seeing. Bill? As Billingsley's foot slid across the edge. Well, this is untimely. And he slipped into the open air, 1,440 feet above the surface of the earth, and fell. <coughs> Dixie saw him fall, but then turned away, unable to watch the grim end. Having no time to waste, she quickly flew off in search of more targets. And so what she did not see was that the explosion had also damaged the devices the beast had attached to the Empire State Building spire. They would soon cease to function forever. But before that happened, one last emergency beacon was sent. Forming back up with Brassy Battalion, Dixie checked in with her fellow pilots. Brassy Battalion, report in. I'm here, Dix. Out of ammo, but still flying. Barely. Three kills. I'm losing fuel. I'll have to land. But I got four kills. Five kills, but plane is beyond repair. On final approach to LaGuardia. I took out two of the critters, but flew too far doing it. I'm low on fuel. Yeah, I also got four. My rockets are depleted. I'm banged up, but alive. I got seven, and I saw the Umkit guys on the ground get at least five. Is... is that it? The battalion scanned the skies, and the sight before them was at once majestic and astonishing, and seemingly devoid of alien aggressors. All around the city, teams from Army Intelligence were at the crash sites, cordoning them off, cleaning up the mess, and shielding the public from the wreckage and controlling the flow of information. Dixie could hardly believe her eyes. I think... I think we did it. Christ. Nations, what is that infernal noise? My whole plane is shaking. Look at the water, the waves, they're huge. What could cause something like that? Oh, look, out over the ocean, near the horizon. The clouds are parting. And indeed, the clouds were parting, as a rocket ship of the same design and proportion as the beasts descended through the clouds, homing in on the final signal from the beacon. Only this ship, dear listeners, was ten times the size of its predecessor. Great, googly, 
moogly. Just when you thought it was all over. He's not over until he's over. We're damaged and out of fuel. And armaments. We don't have a choice. We can't just let that thing destroy the city. I won't. Whoa, 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 hold on now. You cannot go alone. That's suicide. Noble of you, dicks. But there's always another way. Please remember the folly of the last time you flew a mission alone, Miss Dixie. Will you all just be quiet for a minute? Listen to yourselves. You're damaged and you're out of ammo. I've still got three rockets and the Amber Avenger doesn't have a scratch on her. I cannot let you. Don't you dare get all chivalrous now, Tommy. Not when we have a little boy at home that needs you. Besides, I'm the only one giving orders around here. Now you five hang back. If I fail... <laughs> Please! Hey, you can't! You mustn't. We all need you. All of us. Christ, I told you all to cork your pie holes. You're all on radio silence now, and that's an order. Do you understand me? Good. Now you five hang back. If I fail, and that is if, You'll be the only one standing between that thing out there and the city. You'll have to stop it. This has to end. Whatever it takes. Now before that thing gets any closer, I'm going in. Dixie shot from the city like a bullet from a chamber, straight as an arrow, on a collision course with destiny. She cruised out over open water, the blue of the sky and the blue of the ocean melding into a sea of tranquility that belied the coming storm. As she neared the soaring, beastly mothership, the aliens inside took notice of her approach and opened fire. Holy Toledo! Dixie spun and dove, climbed and turned, but the ray gun seemed to anticipate her every move, and she knew she wouldn't last long under those conditions. Can't fail before I've even had a chance to succeed. Oh, damn it! Dixie took aim and fired. Two fiery weapons of righteous anger soared from her amber wings and stabbed at her attacker, cutting through the ray guns like swords through exposed flesh. <laughs> yes! Her celebration was short-lived, however, as she realized she now had but one rocket left. How? How am I going to bring that thing down with only one rocket? I barely dent the hull. I'd have to drop it inside. But just then, something seemed to be moving along the hull of the ship. Some kind of door. That's... Oh, Christ! It's a launching bay. There's gonna be bogeys incoming. Dixie was suddenly aware of the feel of the control stick in her hands. The pressure of the strap from her goggles. The feel of the fur lining her flight jacket. The weave of the fabric in her socks. The tightness of the laces on her boots. The way sweat dripped down her brow and caressed her cheek. Her mind raced. Surely there must be something she could do. She was faced with impossible odds in a dire situation. And her mind settled upon a memory and latched onto it and turned it over and over in her head. And so it is, dear listeners, that through the magic of radio and the theater of the mind that we are able to travel back with Dixie as she remembers. Listen. And so it is we find Dixie walking the halls of her high school on her way to class. And as she passes a row of lockers, 
A horrible scene plays out before her. Cowering behind books held in trembling hands, a girl stands on the verge of tears. Around her stood a gaggle of other girls, snickering and sneering. Hey, what's going on here? Um, I'm new here, and they're, they're making fun of the way I talk. Because the way I talk is funny. Well, that ain't no way to treat a lady. Or anybody else, for that matter. Why don't you just tell them to leave you alone? I can't, because they they might think less of me than what they already think of me. Yeah, and? I, I, I can't. Well, then, I will. Hey, get out of here, you good-for-nothings. Go on, scram! Don't make me slug you. You don't even know me. It don't matter. I know what's right and wrong, and I got no problem protecting people who need it. The girl slowly let down her guard and her books and wiped away her tears. I'm Francie. Francie McGuff. Well, nice to meet you, Francie McGuff. They call me Dixie Stenberg, but that's only because it's my name. <laughs> you better be careful, though. You worry too much about what other people think of you, and it's going to get you into trouble. But I don't want people to think badly of me. What would they say you if... play that game forever. Look at me. You think they see gals like me every day? Francie took in the sight before her. Dixie's worn blue overalls were caked with oil. Her hair was pulled back into a ponytail, though it, too, had not escaped the apparent oil explosion. Oh, uh, sorry about all the oil. I just came from shop class. We were working on an engine. And, and the other girls don't make fun of you for it? I'm sure they do, but I don't really know because I don't listen because their opinion of what makes me happy don't matter none. You try to keep that in mind, okay? I'll, I'll try to remember that when I need to remember it. But really, we've got to get you into a dress, girl. And then Dixie's mind went back even further, and we now find a young Dixie Stenberg, her blonde locks curled and bouncing about her piercing blue eyes as she plays with her schoolhood chums. <laughs> Dixie loved the swings. She loved the speed, the exhilaration, the way she felt at the end of the arc, her feet outstretched like she could almost touch the sky. Higher, higher! Her frilly pink dress whipped about her as her legs pumped higher and faster, driving her further skyward. And it was at the top of the arc when she extended her legs, held her breath, and leaped. <laughs> Time seemed to stop for Dixie in that moment. The cool air on her face, the rose-colored scalp skirt of her dress whipping about her like a cape. Her eyes to the sky, making her feel like she was as close to airborne as she might ever be. Making her feel free. But a moment is fleeting, and nothing lasts forever. And so it was that the harsh grip of gravity brought her crashing back to reality. <coughs> that was the bee's knees. One day I'm gonna fly for real. <laughs> Dixie turned toward the sound of laughter and marched with purpose right up to the source. Hey, mister. What can I do for you, little Miss Little? What are you doing laughing me? Do you think the girls can't fly? Well, I ain't never seen one that did, but that don't mean one can't. Well, what do you know anyways? I know what I know. Too much. I was in the Great War, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, but war ain't pretty. And you gotta remember that. You saw the planes. You saw them fly. I sure did. 
And do you think I could do it one day? Well, I don't see why not if you try hard and apply yourself and try hard at what you're applying yourself to. That'd be swell. Do you got any pointers? Well, I saw you on the swings there. Yeah? Your dress was getting in the way. I hate him, but Mama says a proper girl needs a proper dress. Ain't nobody's idea of a proper girl is gonna be the first lady pilot. And that dress, it causes drag. You want something simple and easy to move in. Something that works with you, not against you. Gee, thanks, mister. Sure thing, darling. But I gotta get going now. I just stopped by the park to pick up my niece, who I gotta pick up now. She must be awful lucky to have an uncle like you. Well, thanks for saying what you said, little Miss Little. And the next day, Dixie put on slacks and a blouse under her dress and ditched the fussy, frilly frock as soon as she was out of her mother's line of sight. And she made her way to the park, and she leapt upon the swings, and the chains felt strong in her hands, and the blood pumped through her veins, and her hair swirled around her. And she laughed. But a memory is fleeting and nothing lasts forever. And so it was that the harsh gravity of her situation brought her crashing back to reality. And as her blood raced, she remembered that this is what she lived for. This was her calling. She gunned the engine and flew on, heading straight for the opening to the mothership's launch bay. She fired up her radio in the few remaining moments she had left. Dixie Stenberg to Brassy Battalion. I know you're on radio silence and that ain't changing, so listen up. I... I only got one rocket left. And I gotta make it count. This thing, this ship, it could wipe out the city. Kill millions. I can't let that happen. I can't let that be the world that my little Oscar grows up in. He deserves better. We all do. So before this happens, I got a few things to say, and you listen hard to me right now, because ain't nothing I ever said to you is more important. Corning, you're something amazing. Your friendship, your honesty, and your experience have taught me more than I ever care to admit. Joey, you ain't half the thug you think you are. Give yourself some credit, because you got one of the most noble souls I've ever seen. Lily, the world is your oyster, and there's plenty who care about you and love you for you. And don't you ever forget it. And you take care of Freudenberg, you hear me? Benny, you're the nicest tough guy there ever was. You have the kindest soul of us all, and you deserve nothing but the best. And when you get back, you give Iris a call, you hear me? And Tommy? Tommy, I don't even know what to say to you. My feelings for you are something I can't even put into words. You're the kindest, most inspirational, most amazing person I've ever known. And you've got the most important job of all now. You take care of my boy for me, and... Don't you ever, ever stop painting. And with that, Dixie flew on. Over the ocean. Through the clouds. And she opened the throttle 
and surrounded by blue, she flew on. And then she was soaring through the opening to the mothership's launch bay. And she cruised through the labyrinthian hangar, weaving and swerving around the alien design, over dozens of beasts and their beastly rocket ships, preparing for launch. She saw, stacked at the end of the bay, rows and rows of rocket ship mounted ray guns awaiting deployment. And she had her target. I ain't never gonna hit that with a rocket fired from back here. So, that's it then. She peeled off her goggles, flipped a switch, and blew her canopy. And as she careened through the launch bay, she could now feel the wind on her cheeks. And she smiled. Time seemed to stop for Dixie in that moment. And the control stick of her P-47 Thunderbolt felt strong in her hands. And the blood pumped through her veins. And her hair swirled around her. And she laughed. And her eyes never wavering from her target. This was it. This was her purpose. This was her mission. This was her gift. And Dixie was as free as she could ever be. Goodbye. remained of the mothership after the explosion careened through the atmosphere, eventually crashing down outside a small New Mexico town. The residents were up in arms over the occurrence, though the government assured them it was little more than the remains of an errant weather balloon. As for the denizens of New York City, they all too easily fell under the propaganda that the day's events were all part of the magic of Hollywood and were merely portions of the filming of the latest major motion picture, Attack of the Lizards from Outer Space, sponsored by the ubiquitous Umket Industries. The Dean continued on as the head of Umkiversity, and eventually released a best-selling 726th volume to the Encyclopedia Umketia. The amazing Noel and Miss Fortune Divine made the migration to a strange new medium known as television, where they could prognosticate for an audience that did not care about any inaccuracies. Children. Archibald Withersby retired from the army and founded Withersby's Collegiate Thesaurus, the most accurate, acclaimed, and accredited tome of its kind. Reginald Billingsley's body was never found. Frank McGuff converted AeroQuest Dynamics into the Dixie Stenberg School of Flight. He runs it with his niece, and they cater to all walks of life, equally. Cornelius Robert Sims Pearson became co-owner of Essie's Home Cookin' and spent the rest of his days as the official grandfather of all Brassy Battalion offspring. Joseph Scalzetti became a judge of some renown, eventually sitting for over 20 years on the Supreme Court of these United States. He and Esmeralda had many, many, many more children. 
Lily LaRue and Friedman Freudenberg finally started a family of their own. Lily later found fame as a star of the silver screen, and Freudenberg started a successful mail-order artificial intelligence company with a business partner of incredible financial acumen, Robot 153. Benedict Adachenko eventually married Iris LaRue and was an instrumental part of the coming space race with the Russians. In the far-off year of 1980, he founded the first lunar colony, the Glasnochi. Thomas Galen concentrated on being the best father he could be. He never gave up painting, and in fact got a portrait of Dixie admitted to the National Air and Space Museum of the Smithsonian Institution. Both Thomas's attribution and the subject of his painting are under assumed names, however, as the United States government officially disavows the events of July 7, 1947. The public never knew the true extent of the events of that day and went about their lives as normal. But that was what Dixie fought for, what she died for, and what she would have wanted. And so the world went on, and the first Brassy Battalion Fighter Squadron was never known to the public. Their victories never realized, their defeats never publicized, their existence never actualized. But we know of their deeds dear listeners. We know of Dixie's sacrifice, and the sacrifice of all those who served alongside her, and who still serve today. Never forget them, and never forget Dixie Stenberg, for a little of her spirit and courage lives on in all of us. As Dixie herself said in a letter to her son, Don't listen to nobody but yourself. Always be true to who you are inside, and the rest will work itself out. Stay safe, America, and good night. <laughs>